If you got a Bible, go to Job chapter 14. Job chapter 14. Boomer Sooners. <laughs> Job 14. And the title of the message this morning is The Scent of Hope. The Scent of Hope. I smell some hope up in here. Turn to the person next to you and say, you smell that? I smell some hope. The scent of hope. Job chapter 14, verse 7 says, at least there is hope for a tree. If it's cut down, it will sprout again, and its new shoots will not fail. Its roots may grow old in the ground, and its stump may die in the soil, but at the scent of water, it will bud again and put forth shoots like a plant. At the scent of water. What is that water? That's what I want to talk to you about this morning. The hope we have in Jesus Christ. That no matter what we've walked through, no matter what we're walking through, no matter what we will walk through, we are never hopeless with Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, I just pray right now that you would speak to us. Holy Spirit, take over this service. Move like you already have been moving in an even a greater way, Lord. God, I pray that you would speak to us, that we would hear your voice and we would feel your presence. God, we put on the helmet of salvation. We have the mind of Christ this morning, the breastplate of righteousness. God, we are righteous in your eyes. We put on the belt of truth, God. We trust in your word. We will know the truth and the truth will set us free. We put on the shoes of peace, God. We are peacemakers, strife stoppers. And God, we bring the good news wherever we go. Lord, we lift up the shield of faith, which is your, uh, God, which is our shield against every fiery dart from the enemy. No weapon formed against your church will prosper. And we lift up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And Lord, I thank you that your word does not return void. So give us ears to hear what the spirit of God is saying. Lord, give us eyes to see into the prophetic realm today, not just for what we're going through right now, but for what we'll face tomorrow. Lord, that we have hope in you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen. Well, I don't know about you, but when I smell food, I get excited. I remember waking up as a kid, and man, I could smell when my mom and dad were making bacon. Bacon, 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 bacon. I smell some bacon. I know when I get out of the car and I smell somebody grilling in the neighborhood, I got to go look. What, what are they grilling? That steak, that burger, that blackened chicken. Oh, my goodness. Barbecue chicken. Ah, just I love the smell of food. Anybody else like me? All right. Come on. We're in Oklahoma. You don't have to be ashamed of it. But the smell of food, it gets us excited. It gets us excited about what we're going to eat, what's out there that we're going to have. And I think about how Job was talking about the smell of water, the smell of water, the scent of water can cause the tree to bud again. Not just that the water touches the tree, but that the tree can smell the water. And he begins to describe a tree that's been broken down, a tree that's been shattered. He says, at least a tree has hope. It can go through hurricanes and storms. It can go through tornadoes. It can go through all kinds of stuff. And yet at the scent of water, the tree can grow again. Job was comparing his life to this tree. He said, I don't know if I have hope for my life. Now, Job was a good man. He was a godly man. And he was a blessed man. He had a lot of great stuff. He had a great life. But suddenly, bad things started happening. He started losing his health. He lost his kids. He lost his cattle. He lost his houses. And he found himself in a place of despair, 
a place of hopelessness. And this is where he's writing about a tree. Later on, we see in Job's life that once he repents of all the words that he said about God and about his own life, God restores double for the trouble that Job went through. Job realizes that there's always hope in God. That God is not a God of, of despair or a God who doesn't come through, but God is a faithful God. There's always hope in God. And I think about how some of us in this room could probably relate to this tree, could probably relate to the scripture a little bit. I remember in 2011, there was a storm that came through Tulsa and it was a power surge that during the storm, it knocked out the electricity across South Tulsa. And there was a moment in the storm where tons of rain just came and flooded down right here in this area. And the wind was so bad, it tore apart this small pine tree that was right in front of our church, right there in front of the windows of our church. This, uh, it was about 11 feet tall, a pine tree, just got ripped to shreds and it was torn down to about four feet tall with no branches left. I remember showing up the next day to look at that pine tree that had been torn to shreds and I had a conversation with the tree. I'm that guy that talks to trees. And I said, I know how you feel. <laughs> Y'all like, this dude's weird. <laughs> and I, I said, no, but for real. I remember when my father passed away and I had just gotten married. And within the first few months of our, our marriage, we had five funerals to attend to. My dad's and then my grandpa's and then a relative of Ashley's and then a mentor in our family. And I remember feeling so discouraged, like branches were being torn off of me. Life, excitement, joy, the enjoyment of life, peace, hope, faith, all of it felt like it was being torn to shreds. And maybe you're here today and you feel like that as well. That things have happened in your marriage and you feel like little by little, the enjoyment of life has been being stripped away from you. Maybe your company laid you off. Maybe you and your son no longer have the friendship you once had. And for all the tree huggers in the room, this tree will grow again. I promise you. We are tree lovers in this church and we plant lots of trees. So don't get, don't get too scared. I had some people upset in the last service. I had to calm them down. The tree will grow again. But I think about how often in our life you could relate to this tree. How many have been there before where you feel like things just keep on stripping you down? And I couldn't help but think this week I was praying for our country and I couldn't help but think about the morality of America. What's happened in our nation. That we've little by little began self-destructing the morals of our country. 50 Eight million babies murdered, abortions, redefining marriage, no longer between a man and a woman, redefining genders. If you're born a boy, you can be a girl. If you're born a girl, you can be a boy. Telling religious liberties to shut up and sit down. Little by little, the enemy has caused a lot of discouragement and stripping apart, not just of our nation, but other nations too, where people wonder, is there hope for America? Is there hope for my country? Is there hope for my marriage? At one moment, 
We were intimate. At one moment, we were happy together, but now we hate each other. At one moment, I had a friendship with my son, but now he won't even talk to me. At one moment, I actually had faith in God, but now I don't even know if I believe anymore. I'm telling you, people around this room and people watching on TV oftentimes feel like everything is being stripped from them. You know, I was thinking about how the media has tried to really intimidate the church. And I need some help. Ashley, will you be part of my illustration this morning? My wife, my lovely wife, Ashley. Will you, let me grab this chair for you. There we go, I got it. <laughs> now, you're gonna represent the church. I want you to just stand out here, hands raised. You are worshiping God. Man, you're involved in your city. You are showing compassion. You're making a difference. And all of a sudden, throughout the course of history, through the stripping of the tree, voices start coming in. Hey, hey church, hey Christians, that's kind of offending me. Can you just go and sit down in your church building and just be quiet and just stay in your walls? In fact, can you take your chair and just go to the corner? Just go all the way to the corner, church. Face the corner, shut up, do nothing. I'm not talking to my wife like this. I'm talking to the church, okay? <laughs> it's an illustration. And don't get involved in society. Don't engage with the world. Don't try to bring your spiritual answers to the governmental problems of our day. Just stay in the church. Stay in your little corner. Do nothing. Say nothing. Don't show up. Just wait for the rapture. Bunker down. Hope that Jesus comes soon. Don't do anything to change your nation. And so this is where it's at. Ashley, thank you so much. I want you to come back and sit down in your chair and give her a big hand. But this is where it's at. Little by little, we are losing the vitality, the morality, the very fabric. This is what Psalms 127 verse one says. Unless the Lord builds the house, Unless God is in the nation, unless God is in the marriage, unless God is in the family, unless God is on the campus, unless God is in the university, he that labors, the government that labors, labors in vain. Unless God is watching the city, the guards are watching in vain. And we've pushed God out of America. Did you know that the top problems in American public schools before 1963, when prayer was removed from school, the top problems were talking in class, chewing gum in class, running through the hallways, getting out of line, out of your turn, disrupting the teacher. You know the problems after 1963? They rated the top problems in the early 90s. This is before the Columbine shooting that happened in our country. Since then, there's been shootings often, it seems like, every year in schools. But the top problems today are rape, murder, burglary, arson, bombings, suicide. See, when you remove God from your country, when you remove God from your marriage, when you remove God from your family, all of a sudden, one plus one equals two. You got to do the math. There's something wrong here. And yet, even though the tree seems hopeless, 
at the scent of water, it can bud again. And I want to tell you, I smell some water in America. I'm looking at some water in America. What is the water? It is the church fully alive, fully engaged, fully awake, fully moved with compassion, living with truth and grace hand in hand and showing up and speaking up and standing up. It's time to come out of the corner. So many people are saying, well, I just, I can't, I can't really even care about what's going on in our country. I'm so disturbed by all of it. I'm just going to close my eyes, plug my ears, hide in my closet, bunker down and hope that Jesus raptures us fast. But you know, when you decided to follow Jesus and for all of those here today that don't believe in Jesus, we're so glad that you're here. You're in the right place. And you get to listen to a message about what Christians are supposed to do in the current political climate that we're walking through, because we aren't afraid to touch some tough topics in church. If there's one place we should talk about it, it's the church. We got the answers to the problems that America is facing. And our hope is not in a plan. Our hope is in a man and his name is Jesus Christ. You know, the thing I'm most excited about is that guys, the best days for church, the best days for Christians are right in front of us. This is no time to lose your head. This is no time to run around like a chicken with your head cut off saying, I don't know what to do. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what the church is going to do. We're doomed. Stop it. You've got the helmet of salvation. You got the mind of Christ. Pull yourself together, brother and sister. We are part of an unshakable kingdom with a king who wasn't voted in and can't be voted out. And just like Ron said, he sits on the throne and no matter what our nation looks like, this tree I think is the true representation of America right now. The morality, the morals has decayed. It smells like death. It smells like hopelessness. And yet there is a scent of hope. There is a remnant of hope in this nation. We have what our nation needs. So how are we supposed to handle what's going on? How are we supposed to cut through the fog of all the noise? I don't know about you, but I've kind of had it with the news. <laughs> like I know the news has a job. Their job is to bring information to us. But oftentimes it feels so negative and discouraging and toxic and trying to get me to hate somebody. And if you're a Christian putting hashtag hate, fill in the blank, you are not living the Christian life. John said in the Bible, how can you say you love God, but you hate a sister, hate a brother? So our job is not to put hashtag hate Trump, hashtag hate Hillary. Our job is to put hashtag be the church, hashtag pray for people, hashtag stand up, hashtag don't shut up, hashtag show up, hashtag live with compassion, hashtag change your city, hashtag change your nation, hashtag change your world. Hatred is not the answer for the political climate that we're in. You're not going to change the climate by saying you hate somebody. You're not going to change your city. Transformed people transform cities. Transformed people transform nations. Man, I'm excited to change our nation. This is an Esther moment. This is a Nehemiah moment. This is a Joshua generation. It's time for the church to engage with society. We have the answers. We have the water that they're looking for. 
How do we cut through the fog though? I'll never forget watching this movie when I was in college. It was a movie about a baseball player and he was aging. He was nearing the time of retirement. In fact, people were saying, you're done, go home. You're through, you're a has-been. You really just need to hang the glove up and, and stop pitching, stop playing. And, and he loved the game so much. He wanted to go out with a bang. He wanted to finish his career with a perfect game. And so while he was at the mound getting ready to pitch, people are shouting at him, has been, go to the dugout, just sit down, you're done, you're through. They got the blow horns, they're blowing those horns. And, and I remember watching this part of the movie and thinking, this is what the enemy does to the church. This is what the devil does to Christians. You're a has been. The church is no longer needed in America. You don't have the answers. Shut up, sit down, go in the corner, retire, you're done. But there's something the baseball player does in this moment. He says this, clear the mechanism. Clear the mechanism. And all of a sudden, everything around him, all the noise disappears. And all he sees is the batter. He's focused on his mission. This is the time for the church to focus on what really matters. We're not supposed to focus on a candidate or on CNN or on Fox News or even on the current political climate. We've got to focus on Jesus and the mission we have as Christians for such a time as this in the place that God has put us to not just hide in a little village and create our own little utopia away from unbelievers, but to fully engage with our city, our state, our nation from the north, south, east, and west. It's time to show up. Clear the mechanism. We've got to focus on what really matters. How do we clear the mechanism? How do we cut through the fog of hatred, division, strife, hostility, hopelessness, despair? I'm not even going to do anything. I don't even want to care about my country. I just want Jesus to come back. I just want to get out of here. I've seen some people driving around with a sticker that says Meteor 2016. Just finish it already. And I, I think, you know, here... <laughs> Here's the point. If we become careless, if we say Christianity doesn't belong in the government, what? Jesus was fully engaged in the political realm of his day. Jesus completely turned upside down the political realm of his day. He said, I know the Romans do this. I know people in authority do this, but let me tell you what we're supposed to do as disciples. Let me tell you how we're gonna change the world. And so we've gotta learn what is our part? How do we clear the mechanism? How do we get the water that the world needs? I think there's three things. I wanna give them to you real quickly. The first thing is we've gotta worship right now. We've gotta turn our focus towards Jesus and begin to worship Jesus as a church. You've got to turn your worries into worship, your stress. I know it sounds so simple, but I'm telling you, there is so much power when you start to worship God. When you begin to worship God, what a wonderful name it is. What a wonderful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. When you begin to worship God, I'm telling you, the devil starts trembling. Satan wants to get you distracted watching the news, getting angry, getting hopeless, getting discouraged, closing your eyes, plugging your ears, staying away from church, staying away from people that, that make you scared or staying away. When you begin to worship, you clear the mechanism. You start to get the presence of God. 
When you begin to worship, you go into a presence, man, where there's fullness of joy. There's fullness of peace. Isaiah 26 said that he keeps us in perfect peace when our minds are stayed on him. When you fix your mind on Jesus, when you begin to worship God, like Paul and Silas begin to worship God in the midnight hour, chains begin to break. They could have talked about the problems. They could have talked about the darkness. They could have complained about the political leaders uh, persecuting Christians, but instead they started worshiping God. They started using their voice as a voice of hope, as a voice of praise, as a voice of glory, and God showed up. I think God's waiting for the church to just shift their complaining into a spirit of praise and worship. I want to challenge you to turn off the news sometimes. Turn off talk radio and turn on some Hillsong worship. Turn on some victory worship. Don't turn anything on. Just start singing worship. Just make worship out of your mouth. I found myself this last week many times just going, oh, Jesus. I just pray right now. And that's the second thing we got to do is pray. How do we clear the mechanism? We worship God. Secondly, we pray. We pray. And you say, what do we pray for? We need to pray for our nation. We need to pray for people that are running for office. Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, I urge you. First of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, thanksgiving be made for, everybody say these words together, all people. Now, who is all people? All people. So don't just pray for Christians. Don't just pray for Democrats. Pray for Republicans. Pray for Muslims. Pray for unbelievers. All people. Then he goes on to say this, for kings and all, everybody say all, all those in authority. You're called to pray. For President Barack Obama. You're called to pray for Putin. You're called to pray for Hillary Clinton. You're called to pray for Donald Trump. You're called to pray for Bernie Sanders. You're called to pray for your governors, your mayors, your congressmen, your senators. And some of y'all are like, I know what I'm gonna pray. Pray they die. Can I tell you something? Paul says this to Timothy, pray that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. We need to pray that people's hearts would be turned towards the, towards the Lord. And we need to pray. You know what? Proverbs says that the heart of a king is in the hands of God. So we can pray for God to get a hold of whoever is running for president, whoever's in the office. We can pray for God to get a hold of, of the Supreme Court. We can pray for God to get a hold of, of the Congress and the senators. We can pray for God to get a hold of dictators and communists and socialists. We can pray for God to move in their life and we should pray for them. You know what, I'll say this, I cherish your prayers as a pastor. I cherish them. There's often times where I'll just stop and I'll go, someone's praying for me. I'll, I'll just grab Ashley's hand. Someone's praying for us right now. I feel it. There's like people in our church praying for us right now. And we need it. And those people need it. Those people need it. You know, prayer may not change them, but prayer will change you. I don't know about you, but I need prayer. You need some prayer too? You know, if we only allowed people in this church that had it all together, the population would be zero. 
We need to thank God that we allow people to come in this church that don't have it all together, that need some prayer, that need some grace, that need some Jesus. We're in a season right now where the enemy wants us to get hostile. The enemy wants us to spew hatred towards a person, hatred towards Republicans, towards Democrats, towards these people, towards those people. And if you're not careful, you're going to get pulled into the games of the devil while he's above your head, ripping apart the definition of marriage, ripping apart the definition of teenage boys and teenage girls, ripping apart the morals of our country. While we're down here fighting with each other, the devil is wreaking havoc on our nation. Now is not the time to fight with each other. Now is the time to fight together against the spirit of this world. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of this dark world. You can almost feel it. It's like the media just wants you to pick up a stone. Look what he did. Look what she did. So many people right now are getting on social media and just saying terrible stuff about people. Spirit-filled evangelical Christians picking up their stones. Got my stone. Mm, come on. This person really sinned. See, look what the media showed us, how they sin. Can't wait to throw my stone. And Jesus says, oh, you without sin, cast the first stone. You without sin, why don't you throw the first stone at Hillary or at Donald or Obama? So what am I supposed to do? Drop the stone and pray. Jesus. Jesus. Lord, I pray right now for our president. God, I pray for our leaders. I pray for our Supreme Court. I pray for senators and congressmen. I pray, God, for the candidates running. Jesus, I ask you to turn their hearts towards you. Turn our hearts towards you. God, help us as a church not to bunker down, but to take ground. Help us not to shrink back, but to press in with grace and truth. In Jesus' name. When Daniel began to pray, the Lord shut the mouths of lions. The Lord turned the heart of the king, a king who wasn't a Christian, a king who didn't believe in Daniel's God. But when Daniel prayed in the Bible, it says that the king saw how God moved in Daniel's life and said, from now on, we're all praying to the God of Daniel. What if the church was so radically working the demonstration of the gospel that kings and priests and governors and leaders said, wow, we need to worship that God. He's moving through them. God can do it. He can do it. If he did it back then, he can do it again. Here's the third thing that gives us the water, the scent of hope. It's God's word. God's word. This morning, as I've been reading the word of God, the word washes us. The word sanctifies us. The word directs us. The word corrects us. If the word hasn't corrected you this morning, I haven't done my job. Do you think God can save America? Is there hope for hopeless situations? Is there hope for all people or just some people? Is there hope just for Republicans or for Democrats too? 
Is there hope for only America or is there hope for China and Russia and Mongolia and Iraq and Afghanistan and Israel and Africa and Australia? Are we limiting who God can reach and who God can save and who God can do a miracle and turn whose heart it is? I'm telling you, there's hope for your son. There's hope for your husband. There's hope for your ex-wife. There's hope for your daughter. There's hope for your business. There's hope for your family. There's hope for ORU and TU and TCU and, 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 and OS you and owe you. There's hope for Notre Dame and Harvard and Yale. I'm telling you, there's hope for public schools and Christian schools and home schools. There's hope for dropouts and there's hope for academic scholars because God's hope is not limited to a specific candidate and God's hope is not limited to a specific country and God hasn't called the church to take sides. God has called the church to take up the word which is my final point here. Listen to me. Don't get offended. That's what the devil wants. The devil wants people to get offended. Here's the last point right here. The word of God. How do we clear the mechanism? How do we get the water that our nation needs right now? We get in worship. We get in prayer and we get in the word of God. And when you start to get in the word of God, it starts convicting you. Conviction is a good thing. If you felt convicted this morning, I did my job. I preached the word of God. I'm giving you grace and truth. When you get saved, things start changing in your heart. You start caring about people. You start treating women right. You start treating children right. You start caring about the unborn child. It starts breaking your heart that we've murdered more babies than we've lost soldiers in any war in our country. 58 million children aborted. It starts breaking your heart that people are leaving the word of God. Can't, can't bring those 10 commandments in here. Can't talk about Jesus here. Don't, don't you dare talk about Merry Christmas or the nativity scene. Really? Just the, the, the complete, oh man. The freedom of speech is being more and more encroached upon for the church. And if the church doesn't do anything, we lose it. And I wanna say this. Military men and women died for your right to vote. Died. Died for your right to vote. For, for you to say, I'm not voting this year. I don't like any of them. You just mocked the military. They are dying for your freedom. And there are millions of people around the world that would do anything to get the opportunity to have their voice count, to have their voice be heard. And the church is just going to go sit in a corner because we don't like anybody. So what do we do? You say, well, Paul, I don't like any of them. What am I supposed to do? Pray, worship, stop listening to all the news, cut through the clutter, get to the word of God, ask God, God, I don't know what to do, but Lord, I know you can give me wisdom. I know as a citizen of heaven placed into a nation, I am called to stand up, speak up, show up, and I won't sit down and I won't be quiet and I won't just mock the military for dying for my right to vote, but I don't know what to do. So God, tell me what to do. If it wasn't for the grace of God, I wouldn't be in here. You wouldn't be in here. 
All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But God's grace showed up. William Booth said, I'm not looking for revival. I am revival. I am revival. As a church, we need to stop asking God to send revival. We need to start being the revival in our city, in our state, in our nation. You know, the courthouse needs some water. The marketplace needs some water. There's a lot of water in this church. If all the churches came together, all the streams flowed as one river, man, we could bring life back to America. I'm not telling you there's any perfect person out there. You know there's absolutely not a perfect candidate. You know that. We're not just in a season right now where it's important for the church to speak up and stand up because it's not just about right now. Whatever happens next is going to decide the next few Supreme Court justices. More laws will be passed. My son Liam, my son Beniah, your children. And for us as a church, listen, I'm not going to stand beside something. And, and, and my job is not to tell you who. My job is just to tell you, get in the word, get in prayer, get in worship and vote as closest as you can in, in your heart to what you see in these scriptures, to the person that stands closest to what God's heart breaks for. There's not going to be a perfect person. You know that. But for you to just say, I'm not doing anything. I'm not doing nothing. I don't care what the military did for me. I'm doing nothing. Like, where, where is the honor for God and others in that? Um, I know I'm going to catch some flack for all this. <laughs> and I got to do it because the Holy Spirit's leading me to do it. So, I smell some hope. I smell some hope. I smell some hope. Jesus, many times, I'm almost done. Many times Jesus came upon dead, hopeless situations. One of them was Lazarus. He was dead. There was a stench of death. They said, don't bring his body out. It smells like death. Don't touch him, Jesus. But Jesus was not intimidated to touch the unclean, dead situations. He's not intimidated to touch America, to bring healing to America, to change somebody. And we've got to show up like Jesus. He brought a scent of hope into a stench of death and he changed society. And the disciples carried on the mission of Jesus. He said, what I've done now you do, change your culture, change your society, bring hope, bring peace, bring reconciliation, be a voice in your city, be, be an influence in your area. And this is what we do when we begin to worship and pray and get in God's word, things start to stir up in us. And I wanna end with these last few thoughts. This is no time for you to be silent. Speak truth. Esther 4 verse 14, Mordecai said to Esther, if you don't speak up, God will find somebody else. But who's to know you've been brought to the kingdom for such a time as this? This is no time to be absent. We lose 100% of the games we don't show up to play. Our volleyball girls at Victory went to state this last weekend and competed and did a great job. But I can't imagine if they had a big game to play, but they didn't like the team. They didn't like the court. 
They didn't like the location. The day was raining. And they said, ah, let's not show up to play. You lose 100% of the games, you don't show up to play. It's time to show up. Four million spirit-filled evangelical Christians did not vote in 2012. Four million evangelical spirit-filled Christians said, I don't really care about anything in this country. I just want the rapture to happen. I wanna get out of here. I'm not doing anything. Four million Christians said, my voice doesn't matter. Some great things have happened in America, good things. There's been some historical things that have happened. At the same time, there's also been some moral destruction. And I think we can all see all that. You gotta pray and hear from God what you're supposed to do. This is no time to be isolated. The enemy will try to whisper to you and maybe even some that have checked out offline or walked out of the service to say, I can't even come to church. I don't agree with anybody and I'm just gonna isolate myself. We're just gonna stay home. And, but listen, guys, if there was ever a time for the church to get united, can I just say this? We don't have to agree on who we vote for, but we do need to come together and agree that Jesus Christ is Lord and that we're called to worship God and that we're called to encourage each other. And Hebrews chapter 10 says, don't forsake the gathering together of believers, even more so as the day of the Lord approaches. God's coming back. As a church, we gotta keep coming together. Don't let, don't let CNN divide the churches in America. Don't let Fox News divide the church in America. Don't let anybody divide the church. Stay united, stay together. We need each other, we're better together. This is no time to lose your head. Stay calm, trust in God. This is no time to make feeling-based decisions. If I always did what I felt like doing, I wouldn't always come to church. And neither would you. <laughs> I wouldn't always change my baby's diapers. But I don't do things based on my feelings. I do things because I'm called to do it. I'm obeying God. I'm coming to church. I'm preaching the word. I'm changing diapers. I'm being a daddy. I'm being a husband. I'm being faithful to my wife. I'm doing what I'm called to do because I'm called to do it. And when I do it, there's a reward for faithfulness. There's a reward for obedience. I want you to stand up on your feet this morning. I smell hope, church. Do you smell it? There is hope for America. There's hope for marriages in this room. There's hope for families in this room. There's hope for teenagers in this room. One of the most exciting things I saw just a week, two weeks ago, I was watching ESPN and there were two NFL teams playing against each other, football, and the game was getting ready to start and they started to do the national anthem and all the controversy that's going on right now in our nation with the national anthem. Both of these teams came together. They locked arms in the center of the field and they began to bow their heads and pray right there on national television, ESPN. The commentators didn't know what to say. They weren't ready for it. It shocked them. They said, something's going on here. Something's going on here. They're having some sort of meditation, some sort of moment. We don't know what it is. I don't know. And I'm going, it's prayer. It's prayer. They won't let the spirit of intimidation knock them down. They're praying for America. Church, there's an urgency. 
There's a stirring of hope. There is a water that is being stirred to get engaged in your city, to get engaged in your world, to not hide out. Can I tell you this on November 9th, the day after election or whatever it is, November 10th, when you show up to church, Jesus will still be on the throne. We're going to come together. We're going to lift up the name of God. We're going to hold hands across this room. We're going to shout. We're going to praise God because we serve an unshakable kingdom. So no matter what happens, don't lose your head. Don't lose your love walk. Don't lose your sense of prayer. Don't lose your sense of compassion. Don't lose the unity that we have as believers. Don't lose your voice. Don't lose your presence. Stay in the game. I want to tell you right now, if you feel an urgency to just come down to this altar and pray for America, leave your seat, come down to this altar. If you feel a sense in your heart to pray for marriages, for families, maybe you are a marriage that feels like a dead, dry tree. Maybe you're a family that feels broken. Maybe you're a businessman. Maybe you're a college student. You feel like your life has been stripped down to nothing. Come down to this altar today. I'm telling you, there's water in this room. There's water in this world. There's water. His name is Jesus. He is the living water. He is your hope. His name is victory. Jesus Christ. He's here right now. Yeah, just worship Just begin to pray. Begin to worship Surrender to God.
Hebrews 12, verse 1. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by fixing our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting Jesus, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility that Jesus endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. Lord, I thank you this morning that we have hope when we fix our eyes on you, that we have joy when we fix our eyes on you, that we can persevere when we fix our eyes on you. So Lord, we clear the mechanism. We worship you. We pray to you. We look to your word. And God, we thank you for the water, the hope that you put inside of us to take to our world. You know, I feel like this morning as, as we've just been talking about this and praying and worshiping, I remember my mom, she used to make this soup growing up and she had all these ingredients and I'd come into the kitchen and she had this big spoon and she was stirring the soup. She was getting all the ingredients ready, a little bit of smoke coming from that bowl of soup and she was stirring it up. And this morning I believe we're stirring up hope. We're stirring up worship. We're stirring up love. We're stirring up fixing our focus on Jesus. This morning we're getting our hearts stirred up Lord, I just thank you right now that there's no hopeless situation. There's no hopeless situation. Maybe you're here today and you're not down at this altar, but you know you should be. You know there's things that you need to repent of. There's, there's a decision you need to make today to get things right with God. I want to give you that chance to just come down to this altar right now, to surrender to Jesus. Just join us down at this altar. You can leave your seat right where you're at. Come down to this altar. Join this amazing family of believers today and say, I'm coming. I want that hope. I want that answer. I want that Savior. Maybe you're watching online. Make the decision today. I want to invite all of us to pray this prayer. This is a prayer to say, Lord, no matter what, I'm going to look to you. I'm going to trust in you. Say, Jesus, I'm all yours. I repent of my sin. And we repent for the sins of our nation. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your healing, your hope. Jesus, you died on the cross. You rose from the dead. And that same resurrection power lives in me. So help me to bring it every day of my life to the environment that I'm in, to the country that I'm in, to the people that I'm around. Help me to bring that hope, that message of you, Jesus. I'm all yours, God. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's give God praise. Let's thank God for what he's doing, what he's done, and what he's going to do in our city, in our state, in our nation, in families, in marriages, in this church, and in churches across this nation, and churches all over the world. I love you, God loves you, be blessed.